Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, Dustin Fuse, and I are recording this on Monday, November 2nd, 2020. Um, So, you know, Dustin, kind of a melancholy day, don't you think? Uh, You know, I mean, what with... uh, We now have put the somewhat, uh, you know, for downsized, shrunk... You know, how would you describe this year's version of Halloween Horror Nights? Yeah, it's uh, Halloween Horror Nights 29.5. Okay, there we go. All right. Um, but yeah, the, the, no, but that said, I mean, at least they did sneak in one last treat for the, the final weekend. Um, did Had you heard in advance that, that Beetlejuice was going to be opening? Or Yeah, we heard that Beetlejuice was uh, supposed to make an, an appearance at Halloween Horror Nights 30. We've seen all the, the merchandise and such. Uh, for 29.5, though, we didn't quite know how he was going to uh, make an appearance. We were hopeful that they were going to be able to showcase the work that they had done this year uh, to really showcase that character. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know when. Uh, we definitely mm-hmm. didn't know uh, how they were going to do it. But I think the success of the two houses that were um, brought out with um, Tooth Fairy and uh, Bride of Frankenstein Lives, that those mm-hmm. two experiences showed Universal that they could do this safely, but also show off the creativity. So I was very impressed that we actually got to see it. It was kind mm-hmm. of disappointing that it was only the, the last couple of days. But it still made it out into the real world, and I think everyone liked it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, just those two days, uh, October 31st and then November 1st. And um, and I, I guess, as I understand it, the, the, the Tribute Store um, also shut down today. And, you know, my face it, the, you know, 30 Years, 30 Fears uh, merch uh, did ridiculously well. You know, just sort of blew out the door, um, and you know, it, and you know, I guess again we're we're looking ahead to more hopeful or hopefully happier times. I mean, we did, what was it? Uh, middle of last week, we saw uh, Universal Creative actually what post that video about the first maze for Halloween Horror Nights two thousand twenty one, which was what Puppet Theater captive audience. Which, by the um, way, you, is an awesome band yeah. name. <laughs> did you watch the video? Oh, of course. So the thing with our uh, recording schedule and the way that we do this podcast right now, especially in you know the current mm-hmm. uh, stage, is that everything is done mm-hmm. via YouTube and phone. So when this came across the uh, the the YouTube feed, and you know it made sense for all of us to basically stop what we were doing and watch, especially when Mike Aiello is uh, showcasing everything going on it was a great uh, thing but i do want to be very cautious here mm-hmm. even if we do get an experience next year 2020 isn't over yet covid hasn't finished yet we don't know what's going to end up happening yeah. so always yeah, that, yeah and again remember folks if, if all had gone according to plan halloween Night 2020 was supposed to have started back on september 10th and then run for 39 days and there were rumors that they deliberately built the schedule in such a way that they they could have extended that, and and if we're if we're being honest and we're looking ahead to next year's event, um, and as you were just alluding to, COVID nineteen, you know, is resurging, um, you know, so you got to wonder even if, um, you know, if we're looking ahead to next year's event, are they going to be that ambitious? Are we going to see a thirty nine 
day schedule. You know, um, I mean, we're in theory, we're eleven months at least eleven months out from the start of uh, Halloween Horror Nights two thousand twenty one. Uh, at least the Orlando version. And I, I guess at this point, we just, you know, again, it's great to get a taste of what's potentially coming, this uh, puppet theater captive audience with the whole, what is the conceit of this? It was, you know, a theater that was caught in an earthquake out in San Francisco and collapsed in on itself and uh, and, and crazy puppeteers and ballet people turned their victims into puppets, which, you know, I... Uh, I, I'm going to be walking through this day, this maze with hands over my eyes. Like, it's like, no, do not want to see. Um, <laughs> but, and I guess, again, it, it's, it seems somewhat ungracious and whiny um, to be talking about how we only got three mazes for, well, as you call it, the 29.5 uh, edition of Halloween Horror Nights when, you know, the folks out in California, they didn't get any. Uh, you know, a Halloween Horror Night because, of course, Universal Studios, you know, Hollywood is still closed. Um, though that said, uh, at least one uh, part of that entertainment complex is seeing action. Did you see where, um, what is it, the at Universal City Walk out in Hollywood, uh, they've set up a voting center uh, for the residents of Los Angeles County. Yeah, this is a great way to yep. get out the vote. Like, you have to get out the vote during mm-hmm. this election. Uh, and obviously, with um, with this location, you're able to uh, social distance and include a lot more people. And uh, Universal is really good with line management, so it makes sense. Now, when you're mm-hmm. there, make sure you grab a butterbeer or at least something from Simpsons. There you go. Well, the, <laughs> the, the setup, as I understand it, they, they've, they've put this temporary voting... Uh, set up in the Jurassic Park structure and you can do in-person voting there or drop off your mail-in ballot. Uh, it's been in place since uh, Saturday, October 24th and of course we'll uh, hang on through, uh, well again, we're recording this on on the uh, 2nd of November. It's going to hang, stay up and running till uh, you know, November 3rd, you know, election day and then it will be packed up and hauled off till the next general election. Um, now, and, and City Walk, uh, it's important to stress here that City Walk has been open since June 11th, but it's been a much tighter schedule. I mean, it used to be that City Walk was open from 8 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Sundays through Thursdays, and then 8 a.m. till 1.30 in the morning, uh, Fridays and Saturdays. And right now, uh, it's only open from 12 noon to 8 p.m. daily. And, um... But that said, did you see that tweet from Karen Irwin, the uh, president and chief operating officer of Universal Studios Hollywood, uh, where she not so subtly hinted that the upper lot might be opening in the coming weeks to facilitate holiday shopping? That would be very interesting. I, you know, if... If the theme parks are staying closed because of capacity, I wonder if they would just open up the uh, the doors and mm-hmm. not charge admission and just have people be able to like, I, I don't know how they would get around the, um, you know, uh, the, the political ramifications of, you know, staying safe within something like this. Obviously, they, they wouldn't have any of the attractions open. Mm-hmm. 
but if that's the case, if they want to open up uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, uh, sure, try it. Uh, I don't see why not. But well, I'm not the in charge of their uh, COVID responses. Well, what's interesting here is there's two precedents. Uh, one is, of course, what Knotts has been doing since the summer. You know, they they opened, uh, they did their Taste of Calico event, which was sort of a mini food festival. I want to say they charged folks $10 to get in and they got a, a punch card that then got them discounts on food and merch and that sort of thing. And uh, that was a uh, very limited capacity, only done on weekends. Uh, was very successful, so they then expanded it, redubbed it Taste of Nuts, and starting on November 20th, uh, and then on selected dates, they're going to be doing Nuts's Taste of Merry Farm. And again, Nuts Merry Farm is, is their seasonal event. Mm-hmm. Um, now, over at Disney, uh, I want to say just last week, and again, this is in response to uh, you know, the state of California's rather onerous, um, you know, restric- restrictions that are still in place about, you know, where and when theme parks out there can reopen. What Disney's toying with doing is uh, opening Buena Vista Street at Disney's California Adventure. But again, just strictly as a dining retail experience. Uh, in fact, as I understand it, they're going to allow guests to go as far back as uh, Smoke Jumpers, the uh, fast food, uh, or, or excuse me, the quick service place that's in uh, the Golden State Park area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, as I understand it, they're going to be doing outdoor dining that may go down a good ways on a Holly into the Hollywood back backlot area, but primarily the the you know. The, the, the area that's going to be open is Buena Vista Street, you know, the, their equivalent of Main Street. Mm-hmm. And w- this is what's interesting. Universal seems to be sort of leaning uh, toward, uh, you know, kind of a Venn diagram of, of what Knott's and Disney uh, did or are planning. Uh, you know, so, for example, if you know the layout of Hollywood Studios, you have that sort of retail corridor that goes all the way down to Universal Plaza. Mm-hmm. Um and then, then it gets interesting. You know, I guess one of the reasons we haven't had Universal announcing a plan so far is you mentioned, uh, you know, Harry Potter. Uh, evidently, the thinking is that what they might do is uh, open uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Springfield because those two basically back up against one another, mm-hmm. uh, share back-of-house areas. But again, none of the attractions would be open. Uh, in fact, as I understand it, in, in both cases, you know, you, you could only get so far into the land, each of the lands, and then there would be a temporary, uh, you know, uh, you know that hedge on wheels they roll out for special events. Uh, you know, that, that would cut off access to, for example, uh, Hogwarts Castle and, uh, what is it, Harry Potter and the, uh, not the Forbidden escape, Journey? Forbidden Journey. And then likewise, um, at the end of, uh, in Springfield, USA, mm-hmm. uh, there would be a hedge put up that would then prevent you from going into Krusty Land and riding the Simpsons ride. But that, think about it, that would at least allow guests to get into the three broomsticks where they could get food. Uh, they, they could get into, uh, likewise, over at, uh, in Springfield, USA, they could get into Moe's or Krusty Burger. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it it's an interesting idea. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's still, you've got to get past that hurdle. Uh, all of those hurdles that governor Newsom and his team have set up. Um, speaking of which though, um, you know, that, that it's like, you know, <laughs> Halloween is over and Christmas is, is coming down the pike. So, and we know this because at universal Orlando, just this past weekend, they began offering hot butter beer again. Oh, um, dreams come true. Yeah, says you. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's it, for me. It's always tasted like a big warm mug of marshmallow fluff. It's just sort of like, it's, you know, it's bleh. you know. I mean, it, it I tastes mean, like calories. That that's what it is. You you take one sip and you're like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to walk around the resort now. Yeah, well, it, you know, that, or, or or all of Central Florida actually, <laughs> you know, to, to burn off those calories. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of which, though. Um, Holidays at Universal uh, Orlando are uh, supposed to get underway uh, November 14th to uh, January 3rd. And uh, when Dustin and I were pre-gaming the show, he pointed this out to me. And I thought, okay. I And I had seen – I've seen – sure, you've seen the image online where in Seuss's Landing, uh, they were setting up a socially distant version of the meet and greet with the Grinch. Sure. You know, with with the idea that you know he'd be in. In fact, they had set up sort of an enclosure with a with a tiny who car, and so he'd be on his side of the barrier, you'd be on your side of the barrier, and you could do a selfie together. And I, you know, I okay, you know, given the current social distancing circumstances, I get that. Um, but that's why I was surprised when you you pointed out, no, 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 look at the whole schedule, and we've got. Um, the Magic of Christmas at Hogwarts projection show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have, uh, what is it? Again, not just this Grinch, you know, meet and greet, socially distant thing, but also the Grinchmas Holiday Spectacular, which is presented indoors in a theater. Um, and then outside, we've got the Universal Holiday Parade featuring Macy's, as well as those Mannheim Steamroller concerts uh, that are held out on the Music Plaza. Um, that's, though, you know, and you, you and I know from having done, uh, our, you know, Universal Christmas with Jim and Dustin event last year, uh, which by the way, was done with the help of the very kind folks at Storybook Destinations, who are the trusted travel partners of the Universal Joint Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience, be sure and book online with storybookdestinations.com. Okay, gratuitous plug out of the way. Um, all right, uh, but you and I both know that those shows, people show up, I mean, for example, when we did the the Universal Holiday Parade featuring Macy's, mm-hmm. we showed up an hour in advance and there were people already lined up, you know, five deep along the parade route because they wanted to be, you know, to see this show. Yeah. Um, and, and I get, uh, and likewise, same thing, uh, at night, uh, over at uh, in Hogsmeade Village, how people, you know, went to the top of, of the street there and, and deliberately picked out spots just below the gates to Hogwarts Castle to have the you know the best possible view of the projection show. Um, these- Which, by the way, when mm-hmm. when we were there, the mm-hmm. best location for the viewing of Hogwarts is you go to where the um, uh, the snowman is. Mm-hmm. And you take five steps to your right. 
Really? That is the perfect location because what happens is everyone will fill in around you, but Mm -hmm. there's going to be a a section. It's those five steps that Mm -hmm. all of the team members come out and make sure that people keep walking. Well, as soon as you get five steps in, you're you're safe. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect location, and uh, but it was interesting seeing that that show was going to uh, possibly show up. Like they're mm-hmm. they're promoting it, even though they didn't want to do the um, the Halloween version of mm-hmm. the projection show. So I don't know what's changed. Well, you know, one thing that is about to change, and again, this is Dustin who caught this. I did not, um, but it's what Lowe's Portofino. Uh, is coming back online when? Yeah, they're saying December the 1st. Uh, it looks like you can book um, your reservations through the, the Lowe's website. Uh, and all the perks are the same as they were before, which is, you know, you get the Universal Express and you get all that other, uh, the one hour before the public. But most of the other resorts are still closed. So it was very much a, a unique uh, thing. We weren't expecting it, but it's definitely in anticipation of, uh, of those holiday uh, crowds that want to show up. And maybe they're not just the locals. They may be targeting folks uh, in the, the Georgias and, you know, in the surrounding states. Because, mm, I mean... Ugh, I, I don't know. I, you know, literally, if you go to the Universal Orlando website, very top of each web page, prominently featuring this warning, exposure to COVID is an inherent risk of any public location where people are present. We cannot guarantee you will not be exposed during your visit. So, hey, happy holidays. Um, I, ugh, I, you know, Dustin, I can't help but wonder, you know, given, uh, you know, the challenges with, you know, doing these sorts of things in a theme park with limited capacity. Does this now make you think that maybe, face it, back on October 24th, uh, for the first time since March, mm-hmm. we got uh, a presentation of the Universal Orlando Cinematic Celebration in uh, Universal Studios Florida. You know, the, the first time that, that nighttime spectacular had run uh, at night in months. Um, yeah. You got to wonder, was that part of a sort of a test of, okay, how are we going to do nighttime things and still social distance? Um, I would love to hear from anybody who got, uh, you know, if we've got an annual pass holder or a team member out there who was there for that presentation or or any of the follow-ups for Cinematic Celebration about how they are handling social distancing at night because that's got to be tough. Um, anyway, um, okay. And, uh, and, and uh, speaking again about COVID and, you know, the, the, the brand new world we live in here, um, you know, uh, while we're asking team members and annual pass holders to tell us about Cinematic Celebration, uh, you know, the, the showing on the 24th. I'd love to hear from uh, some folks who got into Volcano Bay this past weekend because this was when it was shutting down, right? Yeah, and uh, just like any water park during the off season, it, uh, most of the, uh, the the parks get a little bit too cold for the locals, so it's only mm-hmm. folks like us 
you know, from the Northeast or from the UK who are hanging out at the, the pool um, during the, the cold season. But yeah, it was it was very interesting to see this. But, you know, if if they don't have the crowds and if they want to make sure that their resources are put uh, where they are revenue generating, it would make sense for them to pull the plug. But this is a long, long time. We're not talking about just, you know, the typical one or two months. This is four months yeah. of completely no Volcano Bay, no uh, water theme park uh, on Universal's radar. Yeah. You know, you got to wonder for the folks who bought the three park pass, you know, how that feels. Oh. You know, I, and I, I have to wonder, there have to have been some annual pass holders out there this weekend. Because the interesting thing I checked, um, Orlando on Saturday saw a high of 82 and a high of 84 on Sunday. So there's got to be at least one annual pass out holder out there who went over to Volcano Bay and got in, you know, at least one last swim and then uh, ducked over to Universal Studios Florida where... They were doing uh, another giveaway at the annual Passholder Lounge uh, uh, there on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, did you hear about this, sir? I, I just love the fact that Universal is treating their annual pass holders uh, incredibly well. They're mm-hmm. opening up new uh, uh, AP Passholder Lounges where up the street at Disney, it's a different conversation. So I, I love that they're doing this type of like, I don't want to say guerrilla marketing, but it's it's definitely um, going to a, a crowd where they feel like they are being uh, courted. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the fact that you have the Universal AP lounges, uh, that's a really cool spot to get into. And, you know, why not? If you're in the park and you're an AP holder, mm-hmm. why not get something for free like a magnet? Well, I th- they were also doing, I want to say, a special Harry Potter map giveaway while mm-hmm. they were at this. Now, now speaking of uh, giving annual pass holders at Universal a special opportunity, do you want to talk about this, uh, the garage sale? Yeah, so Universal Orlando Resort is holding uh, a merchandise garage sale. And for anyone who loves garage sailing, we are all in the same boat. We love deals. Universal Orlando, they're doing their merchandise garage sale November 13th from 9 a.m. until 7 p.m. Now, this is an exclusive offer for pass holders only. Uh, In fact, you actually have to go online and register. So registration begins November 5th at 10 a.m. It's a first come, first serve. Um, The discounts that you usually would get in the parks are not applicable. So you're basically just going in, getting uh, some really good deals on t-shirts and other lanyards and just random merchandise that just didn't sell. So uh, what we saw during the summertime, because there was a um, another merch sale that happened, uh, it was a lot of dated merchandise. And it was also a lot of merchandise uh, based on sizing. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, you had a run of t-shirts and you could only sell the mediums and larges. Well, the extra smalls and smalls and then the double XL and triple XL, those would be put over, uh, you know, they'd be taken off the sales floor and then would just be stuck in a box. Well, they actually put those into this garage sale. It's a really cool experience. And uh, if you do want to go and get some deals and you're an AP holder, uh, definitely check it out. Okay. And just to be sure here, even if you do make the list, if you, you, you again, you you know, pre-register on the 5th, 
on the day of the event, you're going to need what your your annual pass, uh, yep. along with the conf- printout of the confirmation email and a photo ID. Yeah. Uh, also, folks need to be aware this is not being held in the park. Uh, where is it going to be held, Dustin? So it is at the Team Park Garage, which is mm-hmm. off Turkey Lake Road. Uh, it's basically around back. So okay. you're you're not going to be going in through the main turnstiles. You're going to the uh, uh, the area in behind where all the team members park. Very cool. Okay. So, all right. Well, you know, <laughs> forgive me, Turkey Lake uh, it makes me think of, you know, the uh, another body of water relatively nearby, uh, you know, uh, Universal Island Adventure Lagoon with the Velocicoaster looming high, you know, overhead. And of course, for weeks now, we've had the Osprey that's been sitting at the top of that thing. And um, I, I think we mentioned on the last show, I was, me personally concerned that the Osprey story was not going to end happily, that, you know, we were going to have a replay of what happened uh, when uh, Bush Gardens uh, Williamsburg opened its Apollo's chariot coaster back in March of 99. And that's when a goose's life ended in a explosion of feathers because he, he flew into Fabio's face. Um, and, well, and if you are interested in that, go on YouTube. It's there. It, yeah. is, it is such a, a, a weird photo and video to, to watch because as they're coming in, you can tell that everyone's so excited to be in, the, uh, in the, the roller coaster with Fabio. And all of a sudden you see, you know, him like wiping blood and everything off of his face. And it's like, oh, something happened. This is not good. And then all of the PR folks go into overdrive. It's all on YouTube. You want to see this. Yeah. And and the interesting thing is that there are actually follow-up interviews with Fabio for months later where he talks about how he reached out to Bush Gardens. And it's like, you need to fix that ride. You know, somebody else is going to hit, get hit by a goose. <laughs> and it's one of these things where it's like, what exactly do you want us to do? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, that's like, okay, you know, keep all the birds out of the sky. You know, and it's like, that, that's not going to happen. You know, it just, I mean, I'm, I feel bad for him. But uh, anyway, speaking of, of, of birds and, and the osprey, uh, you know, so uh, thank goodness our buddy Bio Reconstruct. Uh, well, first of all, sent me a photo of the Osprey landing on one of the light fixtures that's affixed to the Incredible Hulk coaster that, that's a, just across the way from Velocicoaster in Marvel Superhero Island. And this is the story that uh, BioReconstruct sent along with that photo. So he says, the Osprey landed on a lighted Hulk. It stayed there until the next launch. This was one of the farthest supports in the water. Hulk was in the flip after the launch, way away from the support, and the Osprey didn't like the vibration, so it flew off. So what BioReconstruct is saying, I think our friend will scoot if perched on Velocicoaster at a train launches. So um, I, I'm hoping that's true, because I really don't want somebody to take home a special souvenir from their time, you know, uh, it, you know, <laughs> the Jurassic World Velocicoaster, which is a face full of angry osprey. I mean, the, the beak and the talons on the, those things. Have you seen them? Yeah, they're 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 vicious, and they're uh, they're definitely um, home of mm-hmm. uh, the Velociraptor. They are a raptor, and mm-hmm. uh, they are dangerous. 
Okay. Well, and uh, while we're touching on uh, Jurassic World, on the last show we talked about how Jurassic World Dominion had to stop production for two weeks uh, back on October 7th because there had been an outbreak of COVID-19 on the set. Um, and, of course, this is the second time that production of Jurassic World Dominion has been halted. Uh, it started February 23rd this year and had to be placed on hiatus in March of uh, March 13th due to coronavirus concerns. Started up again on July 6th. Uh, and the weird thing is, and I think we talked about this in the show, Dustin, they were seen as the model for how to handle COVID-19. They had so many precautions and so many things in place. So this was why people were startled when there was an outbreak uh, of COVID among several members of the crew. And mm -hmm. uh, as a direct result, the production of this Colin Trevorrow film had to shut down again. Uh, well, the good news is October 23rd, uh, uh, Jurassic World Dominion was back before the camera uh, and to celebrate the restarted production, did you see that tweet of Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum, uh, who, of course, were the stars of the original Jurassic Park film back in 93? Uh, it brought back so many memories, and uh, I am definitely looking forward to this film, uh, mm -hmm. especially when you see that they brought the, the OGs out. Like, this is just going to be amazing. So it was, I was very happy to see that they were all safe, mm -hmm. and hopefully we'll be able to get this, uh, get this film completed. Here's open. Right, oh, nice touch, by the way, in the photograph is... Uh, Sam, Laura, and and Jeff posed. They were posing uh, backstage at Pinewoods uh, Studios in the UK, but they were standing in front of the Richard Attenborough stage. And of course, Richard is the actor director who played John Hammond in the original mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. So, uh, sadly, we lost him back in August of uh, 2014 at the age of 90. So, wow. you know. Uh, and again, he escaped the fate of the John Hammond of the book, which we won't talk about right now. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, okay. You know, as of right now, and again, things could change. Jurassic World Dominion is due to be released in theaters uh, on in June of 2022. Mm -hmm. And interesting, it's supposed to be the third and final film of the Jurassic World trilogy. Um, I, you know, and. I, which kind of surprises me because, you know, you think of, you know, things like Camp Cretaceous, which is, you know, the animated series that, that got launched on Netflix earlier this year. You know, they're, they're clearly keeping the franchise going, but in different ways. Um, and, you know, I, mind you, I don't know if they're actively looking to end the series after Dominion. Uh, on the other hand, uh, based on the announcement that Universal Pictures made on October 21st, we now know for sure that the Fast and Furious series will be coming to a close sometime in the next five years. Uh, and we'll talk more about that on the second half of today's show. But first, a quick break. Okay, Dustin, I, I, I feel like we, we a lot of bad news in the first half of the show. And... Which is why I'm hesitant to share even more bad news. But did you see the news about Stephen Daltrey stepping away from Universal's long in development 
film version of Wicked. Yeah, that was that was sad, but it's also we're talking about a a highly anticipated movie. Wicked is by far and away one of the the best uh, Broadway shows, and it's been touring for years, and it's it's amazing. I could definitely see why. Um, you know, I I don't know if it's pressure. I don't know if it's you know creative differences, but I don't think this is going to be. Uh, a good time to be in the movie industry knowing that you know covid is as big as it is that it's just creating so many issues going forward because no one knows what to expect yeah it's it's interesting you bring up covid because daltrey who by the way has been attached to this this film as far back as 2012 mm-hmm. all right so you know that you know long time working on this project and um, I, you know, in a weird sort of way, it's kind of a parallel of that uh, Cassian, uh, the Rogue One series that uh, Disney Plus has in the works. Um, actually, one of the key creators on that project suddenly stepped away as well because it, it was going to involve traveling to the UK, mm-hmm. uh, having to do the quarantine for two weeks, and then... You know, the whole notion of, you know, and and also just, let's be honest here, staring down the barrel of the fact that, you know, here we had Jurassic Park Dominion, which supposedly had all of these precautions in place, and mm-hmm. they still uh, had an outbreak and still had the shutdown for two weeks. And, and what's interesting, I, I don't think we discussed this in the earlier part of the show, but the, the belief was it was just that the, the crew uh, got... A, a little cocky. They got they they stopped being as cautious as they once were, and that was enough. And so, evidently, Daldry, you know, it was just it was one of these things where it's like Universal was now looking to fast track. Uh, you know, they were looking to start shooting next year, mm-hmm. uh, and he just wasn't con- you know confident. He just wasn't comfortable. And I mean, it's supposedly he stepped away. It's all amicable. Uh, but again, the plan was that this would be out in theaters for Christmas of 2022. And now, now who knows, you know, and, and the, the saddest part is that this is a project that Universal Creative was really looking forward to because they had big plans for Wicked as part of the, uh, you know, uh, the Universal theme parks and resorts and, um, of course, you know, Universal also had big plans theme park wise when it came to the Fast and Furious film franchise. Um, you know, June of 2015, they, they reworked the tram tour, uh, Universal still lay Hollywood just in time for that theme park's 50th anniversary. So Fast and Furious Supercharged then became the tram tours grand finale. And then in April of 2018, a supersized version of Fast and Furious Supercharge uh, debuted at Universal Studios Florida. Uh, but it, it went from being the grand finale of the tram tour to a standalone attraction. And let's face it, Dustin, this came at a high cost. I mean, uh, in order to accommodate the 115,000 square foot show building uh, that needed to be created to, to house Orlando's Fast and Furious Supercharge, 
We lost two attractions. We lost uh, Beetlejuice Graveyard Review. If you mm-hmm. go back and rewatch some of the Beetlejuice Graveyard Reviews, they mm-hmm. stand up over time. The last couple of iterations, not the most. Yeah. But what was interesting is that one of the original vocalists, the, the members of Voice Play, which is a, uh, a vocal group that was on NBC's sing-off, uh, Tony Wacom, was actually playing the character of uh, Dracula during the Beetlejuice uh, review. And fun fact, one of the other guys who is in voice play, Jeff uh, Castellucci, uh, was also uh, Frankenstein and Elwood Blues at Universal Studios Florida. So kind of cool to go back and check some of these original YouTube videos and see who else uh, was kind of on stage. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because we've got Joey Fatone from uh, (laughs) InSync. Uh, actually played uh, Wolfie, uh, the werewolf character in the Beetlejuice Rock and Roll Graveyard Review. Uh, So, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it has in turn been a jumping off point, you know, for for certain performers. Uh, (laughs) Do do you think this is Universal's version of Jungle Cruise? You know how everyone says, you know, oh, this person was a Jungle Cruise skipper and oh, Mm -hmm. this person. And over at Universal, it's like, yeah, but this guy... He was in Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was in the Nixon White House. Uh, I want to say Ron Ziegler, the, the press okay. secretary uh, for Nixon. He was actually uh, a Jungle Cruise driver when he was in, I want to say, college. Oh, and, that's amazing. Well, uh, you know, and there, there were supposedly stories of Nixon, you know, <laughs> at some point, you know, being back in Disneyland and actually making Ziegler go, you know, step up and go to the front of the boat and do the spiel. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, but he, he, he talks about how, you know, again, when he worked at Disneyland, typical day was the you, 33 different trips around uh, down river, you know, as a skipper. So oops. yeah, and you can only get so far in your day before you're like, I want to try something different. <laughs> yeah, press secretary for Nixon. Go figure. Okay. Anyway, and, and of course, uh, we also had right next door to Beetlejuice Graveyard Review. We had Disaster, a major motion picture ride starring you, uh, which opened in January of 2008 and then closed in September of 2015. But, it, mm-hmm. but again, from Universal Creative's point of view, this was a smart move. You know, to, to lose these two attractions for uh, Fast and Furious, uh, you know, ride, because face it, Fast and Furious was an ongoing franchise at Universal Pictures. And every two years, like clockwork, a new installment would arrive in theaters. And, you know, uh, this started with the, uh, the first Fast and the Furious, uh, which arrived in theaters June 2011. And then Too Fast, Too Furious showed up. Uh, in June of 2003. And then uh, if we jump ahead to the fourth Fast and Furious, right through the eighth installment of the series, Fate of the Furious, Mm -hmm. uh, these movies came out, bang, 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 exactly two years apart, 2009, 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2017. So, you know, again, from from the Universal point of view, it's the studio's biggest film franchise. It's the 10th highest grossing movie series ever, with over you know 5.8 billion in ticket sales worldwide, so of course, why wouldn't you go and you know install that uh, you know uh, you know in the parks? And but me personally, I I, I kind of wish they had waited 
for Furious 9? Because have you heard the rumors that there's at least part of this movie that's set in outer space? <laughs> oh, that, that doesn't shock me, mm-hmm. but uh, I would love to see that attraction. Well, no, that's it exactly. I feel like, you know, in a weird sort of way, that, would, you know, sending people out into space is an easier thing to do than to recreate the feel of street racing, you know, with the wind in your face and creating the visuals that sell you that, you know, you're you're actually doing that. You know, you're traveling at 150 or 170 miles an hour. Um, Anyway, back in February of 2016, uh, the plan was uh, that, you know, uh, Fast and Furious 9 would be out in theaters uh, in April of 2019. And mm-hmm. then two years after that, Fast and Furious 10, which it, at that point anyway, was rumored to be the last film in the series, that would arrive in theaters in April of 2021. So again, like I said, every two years, you know, a new installment of Fast and Furious out in theaters, just like clockwork. And this is why Vin Diesel, back in February of 2016, tweeted out the following phrase, two decades, 10 films, one saga. Which, again, backed up the whole concept. Okay, 10th film, last film of the series. Um, But then, uh, you know, so why is it that the Universal's plans as of four years ago, uh, why then was Fast and Furious 9 bumped from an April uh, 2019 release date to a May 2020? Uh, That's because in October of 2017, Universal executives realizing they could now see the end of the road of their multi-billion dollar franchise, decided it was now time to create a Fast and Furious spinoff, which is where we got last year's Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, Which you ended up seeing, correct? I did. Because I I know there's there's a lot of movies on on your, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, schedule, and I, I still don't think that you've seen Toy Story 4. Four, right? Um, I, I sadly, I think in both cases, <laughs> both Hobbs and Shaw and Fa- uh, you know, and Toy Story Four, I have seen most. Yeah, of both movies. <laughs> uh, and and Hobbs and Shaw is is a fine follow up to you know, I mean, it, it it has the same strengths as the other Fast and Furious is you know, great action scenes and you know, uh, great chases and the like. Uh, it was filmed in the fall of uh, 2018, early winter of 2019, and managed to arrive in theaters in August of 2019. But as a result of this let's launch a spin-off decision, Fast and mm-hmm. Furious 9, uh, which had its original production start date pushed back to accommodate Hobbs and Shaw, didn't go before the cameras till June of last year and wrapped production in November of 2019. And again, that was all with the idea that it would then be released to theaters in April of this year. Uh, but that's how it happened. And so now, um, okay, you know, the, the weird part of the, this situation is because now, what with COVID, um, we now have a tentative May mm-hmm. 2021 release date. And, and again, I say a tentative because, face it, after this year of every film being pushed back, you know, every film of size, with the exception of Tenet, uh, you know, that, that, you know, and with the resurgence of COVID that's going on right now, it's entirely possible, uh, you know, the Fast and Furious 9 will see its release date changed. Um, and that's even though the, the movie itself is 
finished. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've, yeah. they've finished all of the, the principal shooting. They could probably go back and like reshoot a lot of that movie and no one would even notice because it it didn't have the same uh, projection date as, say, for example, a Mulan mm. that happened with Disney, where they actually went out and did the full-fledged press, uh, the press uh, oh, yeah. run, and everything was going to be great. And they did the, um, uh, you know, everyone was excited for that movie. And then all of a sudden, within a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. they had to make that decision of, people have seen this movie. We have reviews out there for this movie, and no one can see it anymore. So with Fast and the Furious, it makes sense that if they have already finished shooting, what are they going to do? They really can't just put it out into theaters. They could put it on Peacock Live or on Peacock, but who knows? Yeah, it's it's such a strange situation. And it it's getting stranger because just, you know, last month on October 21st, uh, and remember, we we had that tweet from Vin <laughs> Diesel in 2016 about you know you know ten films, one saga, and you know that so we have Universal executives said, oh, I, did we say Fast and Furious was coming to a close after after movie number ten? My mistake. Fast and Furious franchise will now come to a close with movie number eleven. Um, which okay, now again we are entering highly speculative territory here folks but again if we go with the two every two year release pattern if fast and furious 9 comes out in may of 2021 in theory that means fast and furious 10 can come out in 2023 and Mm -hmm. fast and furious 11 can come out two years after that and in the summer of 2025 the wild card here dustin is the hobbs and shaw sequel which would be rumors began to circulate that that film was in the work november of last year This past March, Dwayne Johnson not only confirmed that a Hobbs and Shaw sequel was actually in the works, but that Chris Morgan had been hired to write the screenplay for the spinoff. So, okay, so taking that into account, if Fast and Furious 9 comes out in May of 2021, Mm -hmm. and if Hobbs and Shaw goes before the camera next year, uh, Fast and Furious, this Fast and Furious spinoff could be released to theaters as early as as uh, the late spring, early summer of 2022. Uh, Now, again, to further complicate the situation, because, of course, that's what we love to do, further complicate situations, um, I have been hearing from friends at Universal that because, face it, um, you know, these sorts of movies are expensive to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have a giant cast now. I mean, it seems like every film they're adding somebody new, whether it's a Kurt Russell or a Dwayne Johnson or the like. Um, And in fact, isn't it the next one? John Sienna is, is coming in. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So what they're talking about now, especially given that that 11 is going to be potentially the last film, they're exploring mm-hmm. the idea of shooting Fast and Furious 10 and 11 back-to-back, uh, sort of borrowing a page from what Marvel Studios did with Infinity Wars and Endgame. Sure. Uh, which, you know, they shot those two films in one six-month-long period between January and July of 2017. Uh, and then, further borrowing from the Marvel playbook, uh, and to sell the idea that the last two films of the Fast and Furious series are a genuine cinematic event. Instead of two years apart, you know, the idea is that, you know, pull in Endgame, pull in Infinity War, 
and release them one year apart. You know, so it's like, you know, one would open in the summer of 2023, and then the next one, the 11, the end of the series, would show up uh, summer of 2024. Um, long story short, Dustin, no one knows for sure at Universal right now what's going to happen next with the Fast and Furious series. There are mm-hmm. all sorts of vague plans, you know, for release dates um, for the next three films, likewise Hobbs and Shaw, but that could all be appended if there isn't a COVID-19 vaccine or at least some reliable treatment plan for the coronavirus by the spring of next year. Um, And we're also looking at the fact that you have uh, movies that are incredibly expensive, as you said, to uh, to produce $250 million and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think in today's climate you can recuperate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you were to put it onto a streaming service, how do you tell whether or not a, you know, the end of your series, like put this into perspective, mm-hmm. if they were to finish out Harry Potter, if they were to finish out, uh, you know, the, the cost that Avatar is going to be, but, you know, more about the ones that have this longevity, you want to do it right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't know what the landscape is going to be, let alone the filming issues. We just don't know. Like, it's literally day by day. And I don't know if, you know, dropping $250 million or 200 whatever that price uh, price point is going to be and how much more it would cost mm-hmm. to include all of the COVID um, things, having every actor come in and, you know, isolate for those two weeks prior, all of those, all of that costs money. Mm-hmm. So I could see some, some unique, uh, you know, financing for this, this thing, but I think everyone just wants to get it finished and, be proud of the 11 movies before they go into all these spinoffs. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Speaking of producing movies, though, uh, before Dustin and I close out this week's episode, we wanted to take a moment to offer our condolences to the friends and family of producer Charles Gordon, who lost his battle with cancer this past Sunday. Um, during his stint at Universal Pictures, Charles produced some of that studio's more memorable movies from the 1980s and the 1990s. Among them was Field of Dreams, Waterworld, and October Sky, uh, all worth uh, checking out if you're, you know, especially if you're headed over to Peacock anytime soon. Um, Also, wanted to be sure and pass along a message that Alicia Stella uh, of the Orlando Park Stop website and the Theme Park Stop YouTube channel. Uh, She recently put this out on social media. Uh, Alicia wanted all of you Universal Park enthusiasts to know that there's a new Facebook group for Universal team members affected by COVID-related layoffs, furloughs, and cut hours, uh, where you can connect with others and share your Etsy side hustle. Uh, Anyone can join to share job offers and support, too. So uh, Alicia closed up. This post by saying that using the old Universal Parks and Resort catchphrase, which is family is universal. And yes, it is, Alicia. Yes, yes, it is. Yep. Okay. Um, so, and speaking of side hustles and, and what folks are up to these days, Dustin, you know, what are you doing these days? You know, that, that um, I, you know, that's, I know, uh, you know, on the past show, 
you know, you and Jill have been up to some interesting things. Yeah, we we've started the uh, the website Wi-Fi Adventures, uh, which is, you know, travel and different tips. Uh, it's been a, a weird time to be in the the travel and tourism hospitality uh, t- uh, you know industry. So what we're trying to do is just kind of know that there is an end of all of this, and we all just want to stay as positive as as you know possible. But you know, outside of this uh, this forum, the Universal Joint Podcast, it's just a lot of trying to help friends and family and folks who have uh, lost their jobs through, you know, Disney and Universal and just try to uh, kind of keep everyone as not just positive, but also realize that, you know, there is an end game. So we're, we're trying to go that way. Um, Steps to Magic is still ongoing. Uh, it's getting really weird going back and in, uh, in changing some of the uh, the articles, like the uh, best stage shows uh, mm-hmm. to see at Disney World, um, things like that are a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm seeing a lot of friends who portrayed characters uh, in entertainment and uh, in all of these shows in Streetmosphere. They're all coming together. And I think that when you're a part of this community, you definitely want to share how everyone is moving on from that. So, uh, yeah, that's basically what I've been up to is just trying to help everyone get through this as best as we can. And that's it's, it's a very noble thing to be doing right about now. Going to just because uh, again, it just every week it seems like there's there's another layoff or you know another group of talented people who are you know settling the outside looking in. And, and again, as you said, it's not always going to be like this. But you know, if, if we all hang together, uh, hopefully, yeah. it's you know, just tough because you're you're getting folks who have spent their entire lives uh, becoming what they are mm-hmm. and all of a sudden not only just the one job but everything is done and then you have folks who are just like well you could just go and get a another job and it's like well what if you go in if you're a pilot mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you can't fly anywhere well you still had highly trainable skills so uh we're seeing that with a lot of actor friends and yeah we're we're all in it together uh, as, as folks who, you know, are in this industry and, you know, we're, we're all in it. Just make sure that if you can support these side hustles and people who are uh, trying to express their creativity, even if it's listening to a podcast uh, and writing a review and, you know, sharing your ideas, sending us photos of uh, you being in the parks and everything. All that is helpful because it's all about staying creative. Yeah. And at the same time, if you've. You need distractions. Boy, do we have distractions here. Let's say we got... Absolutely. Uh, we got Dizzy Dish with Lentesto. We got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. Uh, we have Marvelous Disney, which we do with uh, Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here. Uh, likewise, uh, I Want That with Shelley Viodolid, which... Um, we're going to be working up a new merch-based podcast shortly. Uh, if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend Universal Joint, that would be incredibly helpful. That help gets extra eyes and you know ears uh, attuned to the show. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard on this podcast, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Dustin, social media-wise, where can folks find you? Yep, Steps to Magic, uh, as well as Dustin Foos on uh, Instagram and uh, Pinterest, you know, Steps to Magic over there. Okay. Now, Nancy would like me to remind you that uh, social media-wise, you can find us in uh, Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. And if I might add a an additional request to what Dustin just mentioned, if you make it into the garage sale, and remember, folks, uh, you know, that registration goes live on November 5th. Uh, if you do make it in there, if you want to share some photographs so as to what was actually on sale backstage at Turkey Lake, we'd love to see those. I guess that will do it for now, Dustin. Well, thanks for listening, folks, and we'll be back soon.